see everybody this morning. Thanksgiving um, with you. Spend it with by yourself four times. And so I love turkey and dressing, sweet potato casserole, but I don't think I want any more today. Put it that way. I've had plenty, and it was all good. It was. So, so I'm glad y'all are here. Y'all look good this morning. Everybody smiling? Smile, everybody. There you go. Nobody's asleep yet. We're good. Just sit down. Service, just everybody get up and stretch. So, but, uh, but you know, I want to welcome in everybody. Everybody's watching online, Facebook. Don't forget about our sermon.net that we have. You can go there, download the app, and uh, um, search for our church there and, and watch it every Sunday. We're on different podcasts during the week or podcast apps they're on during the week. And so there's no limit for us getting the Word of God out besides us stopping ourselves from getting the Word of God out, right? And trust me, there's hundreds of people. There's not tens of people that normally watch this. But guess what? The ones that are, they're watching. And so that's what counts, okay? And, and we believe we do this. We pay a little fee for it. But as we do it and God blesses, it'll grow and, and the Word of God can go forth. But uh, I want to thank the women, and I don't want to leave Joe out. I ain't going to call Joe a woman. I know he was here yesterday. But thank you all for, for decorating, doing everything. The ones that was here, it looks great. Let's give them a hand. Yeah. They always go above and beyond, you know, on the decorations, and, and I'm just thankful for them, thankful for the hard work. And I think you all going to decorate the uh, Christmas tree at the park for the park this week, right, sometime? Maybe. Okay. It's got to be before Sunday, so we'll get it. Um, but um, I think that's, I don't know of any other announcements. I think they were all covered in the, uh, in the bulletin this morning. But I do want to take a minute. I talked to Kathleen this morning. I heard she had a praise report, and she said, well, it's nothing new. But guess what? She said it's the same one every year. But she's going to stand up and give you a praise report real quick. Amen. Yeah. Amen. For the ones that are watching that couldn't hear, Kathleen said she went and saw the doctor and the new doctor. Look, there's, there is a minute, minute chance that you're going to ever get cancer again. So that's, that's just give God all the glory and honor and praise because, uh, you know, he's the one that, uh, that healed her and that he's the one that is keeping her healed, right? Amen. So we believe in him. What he's done for others, he'll do for us, right? He's no respecter of person. And I've heard this all my life, when you do what they did to get it. Right? So, so all it takes is faith. Well, let's receive our offering just now. Amen? Yeah. Be faithful and obedient to what Word of God says. Give, and, and it'll come back to us good measure. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Right? So we just do it as faith and do it, do it in uh, believing God that, that He's going to do what He says because we're doing what He's told us to do. But as we pray this morning, J.J., like I said, sick. I, um, he said yesterday he's running a, a decent fever. I don't know what else was going on with him. And, um, and then a guy I work with, his stepdaughter, her name's Nyla. 
she is, and I hadn't talked to him yesterday, so I don't know. She had been down at UAB uh, Children's Hospital because she had a, I think it started out as a sinus infection, what they said, and it got into her brain. Well, they had to go in last week and cut her, cut into her and get that infection out. And so, um, you know, so, so she's got a, a little lengthy road to recovery for, uh, for what's going on with her. So we want to remember this little girl, Nyla, as we pray this morning. But uh, well, let's pray and we'll receive her off. And Father, again, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this day and this time together, for your word and, and the time that we've spent with you already this morning, the word that's come forth, God, that we just soak it all in this morning, that we just take in whatever we can from you and what you have for us today, that we can go out and be the people that you have called us to be each and every day, to be the, to be the men and women of God, those warriors for you that you've called us to be in this lost and dying world that we can proclaim your name as you told us to. And we thank you for that. God, we lift up these needs to you right now. We pray for J.J. that you're touching him, God. Whatever's going on in his body, the, the fever, the aches, pains, we all know it's not fun, but God, you just touch and heal him right there where he's at. And we thank you for it. And we pray for Nyla, God, that you touch her. God, we know we've been in prayer with her already and for her. And we just come again, God, and, and agree with them that she is totally and completely healed. And, Father, she'll get over this quickly and live a normal eight-year-old little girl life and, and have no effects of this whatsoever. We thank you for it right now. God, we just ask that you with the word this morning as the rest of it comes forth. God, that you with me, that God, I proclaim what you've given me with boldness and with clarity. God, it goes on fertile ground, fertile hearts ready to receive this morning. You with the children in children's church this morning, God, that they can pay attention and listen to the lesson that's taught to them and, and, and understand what's being told them to them this morning. God, we just bring these tithes and offerings to you. God, that you just bless and touch and, and be with each and every one in here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I guess children can go to children's church. <laughs> they have been waiting to hear that. <laughs> so I understand. When can we go? I want to go. I understand. They got, I'm sure, candy and snacks and drinks back here too. So none of you adults can go back here and get candy and drinks and snacks. Amen. Well... We're going to start again and, and talk again on the same subject we have, but my God is. And so this last week doing studying, you know, we, we talked last week about how God, our God is worthy to be praised. We read in Revelations to where, you know, we read about the 24 elders throwing their crowns down to him and those beasts that have eyes all around their head and, and just their, their whole purpose and the point of being there was to worship and praise the holy and mighty God, the one that is worthy to be praised. And you know, and then, then at the end, we met everybody that was here last week. We stood up and we gave praise to God, didn't we? You know, I don't know about anybody else. If you took time this week to praise God because He's worthy to be praised, I know I did. Not as much as I should have or needed to, because I don't know that we can ever express enough thanks to God. And and so I hope we spent some time this week, you know, 
thanking God for all that He's done for you, what he, where He's brought you out of and where you are now because He is worthy to be praised. And so that's, who, that's what our God is. But today I want to talk about how our God is rejoicing over us. And, and you know, this, come, this verse come to me. And, or, and so, but I read it and then I was like, well, I just talked about how God's not enamored with us. How God didn't create us so He could worship us, but we're created to worship Him. But yet, He still does rejoice over us. He still does want us and love us, just as we talked about already this morning. And in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17, I know most people, we don't read in the book of Zephaniah much, do we? Some of those pages might still be stuck together, even if you don't have a new Bible. It's just because that, that ain't one of those books that we normally go to. But Zephaniah was a prophet, and he was prophesying the things to Israel that God had told him, told him to say. And and sure, Israel had problems. We know that they had numerous problems. They is the same old roller coaster ride that we live on a lot of times, up and down, believing God for a little while, going our own way, held captive by something in our life. They would actually be held captive by other people and other nations for for a long time, and then God would bring them out. And and so he told them. And in verse 17, he said, The Lord your God is in your midst. The Lord your God. The same Lord your God that was in their midst thousands of years ago was here this morning in our midst. Right? He's here this morning with us. And, and so he goes on to say, The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. So that there tells me that my God rejoices over me. When we, when we come accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our God starts rejoicing over us, right? He re- and, and He doesn't stop. He doesn't just do it once. You know, we're bad about, in our, in our culture, if we're not getting attaboys all the time and told how good we are and how things were going so good, we get down and discouraged. And I, and I'm, and I'm not good at it, but if you need attaboy, I tell you what we do at work, you take your hand and put it over your shoulder and pat yourself on the back. And tell you, boy, I'm doing a good job. If that's what you need to, to suffice your ego or whatever it is to where you've got to be told you're doing a good job. But we need to worry about, and the only thing we need to be concerned about is what our God thinks about us, right? It doesn't matter what man thinks. I mean, we, we say that, and it does. We want everybody to like us. We want everybody to, to uh, you know, nobody to talk bad about us. But guess what? Somebody is. Because it's man. But... Our God, he says, he says, God is in our midst. He's in their midst. He's in the midst of our troubles and our pains and our fears and our issues of all and any kinds. He's in the midst of it. Why? You, people say, well, I can't feel God there. I can't see God there. That doesn't mean God's not there. You're just not allowing yourself to be comforted by Him. You're not allowing yourself to be, to, to feel His love and to know that He's right there because of all the other things and anxieties of this world that we put in place of Him and put in front of Him that we can't see God through Him and that's what He wants us to do. He still loves me in spite of me. And He still loves you in spite of you. Right? He still, He still loves you in spite of the things you're going through in life. Like the little girl that I, we just prayed for in Isla. I was talking to my buddy at work. And last week he was leaving early to go down there and, and stay with her. And I told him, you know, I, I was just, I got to spend about 20, 30 minutes with him. And I told him, look, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And he kind of looked at me. And he, he knew some of the word. I know he's accepted Jesus. And I talked about this. So if you men heard it Wednesday night, we'll talk about it again. 
But he said, and I said, that, that just constant prayer of a child of God, of a righteous person, God hears and it means a lot. God, God does not turn a deaf ear to it. And he said, well, I'm, I'm a piece of crap. All the stuff I've done in my life, I, I shouldn't, I don't feel righteous. I said, that's, that's what Satan wants us to feel. I said, when you're a child of God, God says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There in turn, you can be and be that righteous man and pray the effects for prayer, the one that works, the one that, that is uh, God coming before the throne of grace, and you can do that. We've got to see ourselves at that. And I thought about this, and we may do it one day. I'm just going to bring a bunch of mirrors and set up here. And everybody look back at their self. Because that's our biggest enemy right there. That's our biggest proponent, that one that distracts us most is what looks us back in the mirror because we know ourselves. And we don't feel like we're good enough. We don't feel like this God that can that that is in the midst and he says his love will he said his who will quiet us with his love. Quiet us with his love. In the midst of turmoil and pain and strife and all the other stuff, his love's right there in quietness, isn't it? He's right there with his love. And Paul even talked about it, and, and we know this, and I'm, I'm going to read it. You can turn there if you want to. I think I got it up on the, for the board. But in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35 through 39, well known. Well known passage, but guess what? It goes right along with this because his love, his love cannot, nothing can separate us from that love that quiets us. We separate ourselves or try to sometimes because of all the other stuff. But His love is always right there when we turn to Him. He says, who shall, in verse 35 of Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a, that's a question. He said, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. I counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yea, yet in all these things... We are what? More than conquerors through Him that loved us. Through Jesus Christ that loved us. We are more than all these other things. All the things you think of yourself. All the things that you, you know you're going through in life. You're more than that. Because that's what Jesus said about you. The one we said we talked about this morning. That Jesus, that name that's above all names. We sung about Him already. He's the one saying these things about you. He's the one rejoicing over you. And when we come to Him, He just loves it. He's, he's not, He don't pick people out. You know, we talk about parents, they say, they say parents have favorites. I don't know. Class favorites. You see them. We call them suck-ups, don't we? Daddy got called a brown noser at work a lot when we worked together. And he wasn't brown nosing. He just done his work and other people didn't like it. And, and so, you know, we, we do these things and, and God's not picking favorites. He's like, I love him over him. Or I love her over this one. He don't do that because he said he's no respecter of persons. He's none of that. So He loves all of us. So if, if you're reading this and you're a child of God, guess what? Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Whether How far you want to try to go, nothing can separate because it's always a turnaround and you're right there. Back in the arms of God. So nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. He said, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth now, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing means nothing. Nothing means anything, right? So anything you can think in your mind that you think might can separate you cannot separate you from Christ. Okay? Nothing can. You say, well, what about this sin or that? Don't worry about that. 
This says none of these things can separate you from the love of Christ. <laughs> so he can quiet us with his love. His love is right there to comfort us and, and to be there for us whenever we need it. Whenever we, whenever we call on his name, whenever we need it, he's right there for us. We're going, we're going to camp out in Luke chapter 15. We'll end up reading this whole chapter because there's three parables in here that talk about the joy that, and how God rejoices over us. How God rejoices over what He has found. What comes back to Him. Who comes back to Him. He rejoices over those things. And so we're going to read in Luke chapter 15 for just a few minutes. We'll start in verse 1. 15, one says, Then all the tax collectors and all the sinners drew near to him, drew near to him to hear Him. So all the sinners... All the ones that we think are misfits, that don't fit in our, what we think should be, they're not clean. You know, some of them probably smelled. All these things that, you know, us as a church to shy away from a lot of times. We don't want to talk to them. We see them coming like, what do they want now? They want more money. They want this. They're always begging for something. They're always doing something. Is my mic cutting in and out? It's just popping. Okay, well, I'll try to, try to be more still. Let me see if I can hold on to this pulpit and not walk around much. I doubt that'll happen. So, he said, so all the, all, the, all the sinners, all the ones were pressing into Jesus. They leaned into Him. And, and this next verse, it says, And the Pharisees and scribes complained. So the churchgoers and the religious leaders is what this is talking about. That already knew well, the ones that should have believed right then that Jesus was the Son of God couldn't see through all the religious stuff in their life. So it's just like the modern church today. The ones that, <clears throat> that should be going out and talking to these tax collectors and sinners are the ones that are complaining because other people are talking to these tax collectors and sinners. Are the ones that are complaining... What in the... Hmm, I don't know. Good. All right. You got it turned up in the uh, um, the one going to the camera. Make sure. They'll have to teach these boys stuff. Tell you what. Where was I at? All right. So the ones that that are here, and I'm not talking about here, but there's people that fill the seats of a church that all they want to do is complain about what's going on in the church. All they want to do is find something wrong within the church because if they can do that, then it keeps their eyes off their self. They don't look back in the mirror at their self and see what's wrong. They see what they want to see, and they complain about everything. I don't like the music. I don't like the, the pastor don't wear a tie or a coat. He wears blue jeans. He does this. He does that. I, I don't like that. I got told the other day, so I'm, I'm old school. I, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, you know, but they like, I guess old school is you got to have church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, three full services, and you got to have all this stuff. I, I don't see. Show me where that is in here. Because we really want to get technical. He said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. If we go back to the Jewish Sabbath day, that's Saturday. So we're going to give up our Saturdays and football and basketball and everything else on Saturdays and come here. We're going to do that? No. So if that's old school, then we need to go back to old school and not what our tradition 
and what these scribes and Pharisees said was should have been doing. So they're the ones that mad. Their churchgoers were mad because Jesus, the Son of God, that we can't see through our tradition and religion and get past ourselves like we did last week when we stood up and did something different in church. We actually used our voices. We actually praised the one that we're here to praise, that's worthy to be praised, because like these others, they were here for themselves. They were there for themselves. We all know they were, lo- they were not looking for Jesus to be that Jesus that came. The Messiah was not Jesus in their mind. They wanted something different. They were expecting something different. But he spoke this parable. And he said, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which was lost until he finds it? Goes after those and that was lost. People say, Well, I found God. Well, God found you. Right? God found you. You just finally caught up with it. If God, if God is light and if he moves at the speed of light and we can't see and move that fast, he just finally said, hey, I'm right here. Look at me now. And it, it could be when you're eight. It could be when you're 80. But you finally stopped and said, hey, I need God in my life. Okay? And, and so he, he's, he's searching. He wants you. He, he wants those who are lost. That's what he came here for. In the book of Luke chapter 19, I'll skip ahead. It's just the next slide, I think. Cole, and then we'll come back to this. In Luke 19 and verse 9, Jesus said to them, and I say this every week, don't I? Today salvation has come. Today is the day of salvation. Why keep running? Why keep doing what you want to when today is the day of salvation? Has come to this house. He's talking to Zacchaeus. He said, because he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Seek and save. So if he come to seek and save that which is lost, then at some point in our life, he was seeking us to come to him and accept him as our Lord and Savior. And so he didn't quit with us. He's still seeking those in the world that are lost. He, Jesus is not here to speak to them. So guess who is? You, right there, in the seats, are here, child of God, to speak what Jesus is not here to speak to them and seek those who are saved to save and, and those who are lost. So let's read on until he finds it. And when he has found it, and when he has found it, when, the, when we come to him and say, Jesus, be Lord of my life, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. I read that, and I, I had to read it again. Because I've read this numerous times. But it's just a picture. And we, I, I've seen pictures when I was younger. Mom and Daddy used to have this big Bible on their coffee table. You know, that, that was about that thick, big white thing. And it had pictures all in it. And I looked at the pictures, and there was one with this. And it was Jesus, it was a picture of that shepherd, but he had that little lamb around his shoulder. Well, what, what in essence did that do? It didn't say that that lamb was hurt. He just said he was lost. He didn't say that he was injured. He didn't say he couldn't walk back. He didn't grab it by its neck and say, come on back here. No, he picked it up. And in essence, he's picking us up, carrying our burdens on his shoulders, just like he did when he died on the cross, right? He said, here, I'm taking your sin. I'm taking your shame, I'm taking your hurt, your pain, your sorrows, your grief, whatever it is in your life, he's taking this and I'm putting it on my shoulders and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here on the cross and I'm going to die for you and shed my blood so I can be the, the ultimate sacrifice for sin. And that's the same thing he's doing with this picture here. He's picking that lamb up putting it on his shoulders. He's picking us up and putting it on his shoulders. That lamb didn't fight, did it? We've all... And, and so he didn't say if it hurt, and I thought of this. We've all, most of if you tried to help a, a hurt animal, right? 
I, I think of a dog. I've tried to help a hurt dog before. I remember when I was little, we had a one of the dogs that we had got a fish hook under in his lip, and there's one with a treble with the three hooks on it. It's that treble hook. You remember that, Daddy? And we couldn't catch that dog for nothing. It was shaking its head, and that hook set in that lip, and uh, and trying to get that hook out of that dog's mouth, he would bite. He would run away. He would do all these things because he hurt and didn't want help. He hurt and didn't know how to accept help. You ever been there? You hurt. You're in pain. Jesus like, hey, I want to pick you up and put you on my shoulders, but every time I touch you, you run away. Every time I touch you, you bite back. Every time I touch you, you blame me for doing what I didn't, for what this is going on in your life. We've all been there. I t- you know, it's like the guy at work. He, he said, I don't understand. He said, I, I, this shouldn't be happening to a little girl. I said, buddy, I understand. I understand this shit. But this is all direct cause of, of Adam and Eve's sin. And this is why Jesus came. So we'll have something to believe in. We'll have faith. And I said, we don't, we don't understand the outcome. We want God to show it to us now. I said, but if he did, why would we need faith? And if he showed all of us the outcome of our life or of a situation, I guarantee you we wouldn't like most of it. And then once we didn't like it, we would not. That wasn't God. It's going to end up different than that. What if God showed you something going on in your life and death was at the end of it? He showed you that. Would you be able to bear it? Oh, I'll just get myself prepared for it. No, you wouldn't. You would worry and fret every day, hoping that God would change his mind and it wouldn't happen. But guess what? We're going through suffering in this life. But he's here for us. He puts us on his shoulders. And he comes back. He said what? He puts us on his shoulders rejoicing. Hey, look, I found what was lost. They come to me. And, and, it's, you know, and it's not just when we're lost. It's when we're hurting. And when we come to him, God's rejoicing. Hey, they're finally leaning on me. They're finally leaning on the one that can actually take care of the issue and work through their problems. And they're finally looking to me as I've asked them and told them to do. And look to me through all that. So he's rejoicing. Rejoicing over us. And then he calls us. And when he comes home, he calls us together, his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say, that, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. I don't know anybody. There ain't no 99 persons on this world that doesn't need repentance. I know 99 people that think they don't need repentance because they're full of pride and arrogance. And that's where, and, and, I get, and, and he was talking, we all know he was talking to these scribes and Pharisees. You think you're good. You think because what you do is good and how you act is good and you're a good person. Good people go to hell every day because they didn't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They didn't say, hey, yeah, Jesus, carry all this on your shoulders. Forgive me of my sins. But he's rejoicing over those. That one person, I'm, every one of them, you know, this year we've had several young people accept Jesus, and it's great. It's awesome. Does my heart good. Mm. To see the youth want to have Jesus Lord of their life. And I've told every one of them that I've prayed with, look, nobody or nothing can ever take this away from you. I said, right now, heaven is rejoicing. All of heaven is rejoicing. We'll read about that in a second. All of it. There's joy in heaven when one comes. One comes to Jesus. And so I've heard this my whole life. If there would have just been us, if there would have just been me on this earth, there was only one left. 
I believe Jesus would have came to save me from my sin. Right? If you were that one person, he would have come for you just that, just the same as he does for anybody else. He would have come for you. Let's read on. The parable of the lost coin. So we didn't leave women out in this, okay? So this ain't just, this ain't no male chauvinist thing. He does say woman here, all right? So you women can listen and get something out of this in our politically correct world. Verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? I'm not going to say what I'm thinking. And when she finds it, we'll just read on. When she finds it, I guarantee you Ariana would find $100 in her room and she would claim it. <laughs> you come back out here. So... <laughs> Oh, me. Um, she searches for it carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. So you're valuable enough to him. You, you're never so small. You're never so minute. We look at ourselves in this vast creation of all these people here and say, Why did God choose me? I don't know. Why did God choose me to be pastor of Victor Fellowship Church? Why did he choose you to come here? Because he loves us just the same. Okay, why did he choose Victory Fellowship in 1987 to be started? Because he knew that one day you would be here to hear the Word of God and know that you were part of the body of Christ, just like everybody else is part of the body of Christ, and there's something for you to do, right? He searched for you a long time ago, and guess what? You found him. He found you. His love has found you, and now nothing can separate you from that love. Nothing can at all. Read on. He says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Again, joy. He rejoices. They're rejoicing. God is rejoicing over us. Over us. He created us in His likeness and in His image. And He is rejoicing over us. Don't ever think that God's mad at you. God's not standing up there with lightning bolts ready to strike you down. He's not. If you, if you get up in the night and you stub your toe, God's not trying to show you something. He's telling you, hey, turn the light on. Right? I promise. It's not what God's trying to show me through this. It's just, hey, hey, dummy, flip that light switch and see where you're going. All right? And, and so he's not trying to do bad things to you so you can come to him. Bad things happen to us, and through those we need to look to him. But he's not, he's not saying, I'm going to put this on them. I'm going to put, like, everybody watched the movie The Grinch. I love the Jim Carrey movie The Grinch. Where he's in the he's in the post office and he's going jury duty, jury duty, jury duty, eviction notice. God's not doing that to us. He's not just randomly picking out people to do bad things to us. He says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. All right, every good and perfect gift. Let's read on. I love this parable here, this last one. And we're going. It's just quite a few verses. So y'all y'all hang on and y'all read along. I don't know that we'll read every one of them, but we all know the story, story of the prodigal son. The story of each and every one of us, right? He said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me, give me. Hey, me, me, me. I want me. Give me the portions of the goods that, that, that falls me or what belongs to me. So he divided them to his livelihood. He said, here, if you want this so bad, if this is what you want, take it and go. Take it and go lesson to us parents a lot of times that we don't want to let go. Sometimes we got to and leave them in God's hands because that's who's going to take care of them. 
It's hard to do. It's hard to do. And so he says, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there, when he had spent all, there he arose, arose a, a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And when he went and joined himself to a citizen in that country, he sent him to, to his fields to feed swine. When he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods of the swine that, that the swines ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he came to his senses, didn't he? That's why you're here today. You come to your senses. He came to himself. He said, what in the world am I doing here? I am eating with a bunch of hogs. We've all been there. We're wallowing in sin. We're living like the world, knowing that we should not be in there with them. We do not belong with them. God said, no, I set you apart. He said, you be holy as I'm holy. Be set apart as I'm set apart. Be different as I'm different. Being different does not mean eating with the swine all the time. Jesus sat with the sinners, but didn't 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 talk like the sinners, didn't eat like the sinners, didn't dress I don't know he dressed like the sinners, but didn't didn't look like part of the rest of them. He looked different, didn't he? Because of what he spoke, because of how he acted, and because of because of what he done. And that's what he's called us to. He said, "Hey, fine, go over there and eat with them, but don't be like them, because they're just going to drag you down. You're going to be drugged down with a swine like this." When he said, "Row, no, 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 get up and go on." And, and be who I called you to be. And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands, servants, have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? So he said, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, and we know this. And while he's a great deal off, picture of Jesus running to us. He searched for us and seeked us, seeked us out, didn't he? He seeked us out, and he went running to him, running to him. And when he found him, he, he, he embraced him, didn't he? Let's, let's go on down. It, well, in verse 20, he arose and come to his father when he saw a great way off. The father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell at his neck and kissed him. He didn't come and say, hang on a second. Are you on anything today? What have, what have you done? Where, where have you spent all the money that I gave you? He didn't drill him with 50 questions, did he? He didn't say, hey, what have you done that I, that I should let you back in? Why, why are you even here? All you're going to do is lie to me again. All you're going to do is, you know, hurt me again. Why should I let you back in? He didn't ask none of that, did he? He was happy to see his son home. And it's the same picture of what he does to us every time we come to him for forgiveness of what we're doing wrong in our life. He said, no, I'm just, mm, just going to hug on you. I'm going to put you on my shoulders again. Don't get down. Don't try to fight it. Just stay there. Stay there and let me carry you through this. He said, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned. We know that he said, against in your sight and no longer worthy to be called your son. Again, that's the picture of us looking at ourselves. We don't feel worthy to be called a child of God because of what we've done in our life. But the, he didn't stop there. He said, no, 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 no. He said, we're going to kill the fatty calf. We're going to bring a feast. We're going to rejoice because you're back home. We're going to rejoice. He's rejoicing because that prodigal son's back home. If you're in here and you've got prodigal children, hey, I do. I do. Do you think it's not easy to see them living the life that they're living now compared to what they know that they were brought up in? It's not easy. But this right here is hope. 
This is hope. It's hope for you that they'll come back. It's the hope that they'll come back. It says, raise up a child in the ways he go when he's old, he won't depart from. But why should I let go of that promise of God? Why should I turn back because I see stuff that, that, that doesn't look like they're doing what they're supposed to do? If I did, then where, where would my faith be? No, I'm just going to keep believing and praying that they're going to come back. No questions asked. Just come back home. And so we'll see it one day when, I don't know, but I know the promises of God are true and real. And, and he still wants to rejoice over that wayward, wayward child. So they killed the fatted calf. We know this, the son that was dead is now alive. And, and he brought them back home, and, and they're having the big feast. But then there's that other brother still, isn't there? There's that other one that's just like these religious leaders. The ones that are in church today that fill up a lot of seats that complain about everything. The ones that said, hey, I've been here the whole time. And you've never done any of this for me. I've been here. I've worked. I volunteer at church all the time. I come and decorated the church yesterday, and, and nobody said anything. And nobody done anything. We've done, I've done all this stuff. I do all this stuff. I, I remember one time, and I don't know if I've talked about this before up here. And this was years ago. But Daddy was, I think, on a Wednesday night or Sunday night something, was, was preaching on motivational gifts or, or something like that. And, you know, we had new people here. I think Bradley and Emma started coming and Pat and them. And there was... There was there were several new people here, and you know I had been through this teaching time after time from being here under this teaching. I know what I knew what my motivational gift was. Well, I allowed myself for for a little bit to get, I guess, disgruntled or jealous. Daddy didn't use me as an example. I even said to Gabby one time, I said, "He don't need to forget about the people that's been here this whole time." They don't talk about us none. All the new people are great. Ooh, look at them. I was this other brother. I was jealous because my name wasn't mentioned. I'm his son. Why, why didn't he mention me? You know, and, and it's petty, but that's where we get a lot of our life, and it's funny. It's funny now, but it wasn't then because I let pride and arrogance come into my life, and that's where this other brother was. He didn't even call his brother his brother whenever he talked to his dad about it. He said in verse 30, well, yeah, verse 30 said, But as soon as this son of yours, this son of yours, you ever done that with your children to your spouse? A daughter of yours said this, when it's both of you, but you make it look like they're the, they're the ones that made that happen. It wasn't you. That child of yours done this. Not my, he didn't get that from me. He got that from you. But the brothers, he didn't even call him his brother. He couldn't even say. He was so mad and full of pride and arrogance about the whole situation and mad about the whole thing and that religious spirit come up in him that all he said was that, that son of yours, that son of yours that was gone, who has devoured their livelihood with harlots and killed, and you killed the fatted calf for him. You done that for him. When I deserve more than what he had. I deserve more. Me. I deserve more. So we get that we get that attitude. That's that sport mentality we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. I deserve more because I, I gave more. I, I, 
you know, I give this. I give my time to this. I've done this. I've done this, God. I deserve this that you've done for me because I've been here the whole time. Who are they to deserve that? Well, who are you to deserve it before you become Jesus and made him Lord of your life? Who are you? Right? We, we get in here a lot of times and we think that we're in some righteous society now because we're a child of God. And other people's trying to come in. And then we're like, eh, you don't, I don't know that you fit the type. I don't know that you fit the protocol to, to come to Jesus. Well, guess what? Everyone that comes to Jesus and asks for forgiveness fits the protocol, no matter what they look like. No matter what they look like in their life, they fit that protocol. <clears throat> and so he said, he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. Every bit of it. Every bit of what God has for you is, is for, for others is for you. He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom, right? I give you those keys. It's up to us to take, open the door with it, come inside, partake in the goodness of God, to sit at his table. It's up to us to do that. It's up to us to say, hey, God, what I have is yours. Take and do as you please. Take and do these things like the rich young ruler who went away sad because he didn't want to give. He, he wanted, he said, and I heard this last week, that rich young ruler, you know, we think of it, oh, he just he couldn't do it because of all that money. No, he was, he said he was a, uh, he was a devoted, devout person, disciplined in all his ways. He had his money in order, made good money, had his, you know, life in order. I think he saw, and I, I have never heard it like this, but he saw what Jesus had, that eternal life, something else he could put and check that off. I can get a little bit more with everything that I got. I can get eternal life also. God, Jesus said, no, go give away all the other stuff that's your God in front of me. And then come follow me. And he couldn't do it, could he? Because that's not what the answer he was looking for. That's not what he was doing. But God is rejoicing over us. He's rejoicing over us that come back. That come back to him and call on his name. And say, God, I'm right here. Do with me as you will. He said, he's not, and he's not stopped. Just If you've been in church a year or 60 years, if you've been a child of God that long, God still has not stopped rejoicing over you. He's rejoicing over you just as much as he did the day that you made Jesus Lord of your life. He still, but he still wants to carry you, carry your burdens, your pains, all your sorrows, all your conflicts, everything like that, we just got to give them to Him. Give them to Him. And let Him carry us. And, and whether we see the physical answer to what, we're, what we give God right when we want it, we can't, we can't take it back. We can't be like that hurt dog that just keeps biting every time it, that something happens. That keeps, no, don't touch that spot. It's tender. It hurts. That's what God wants. That's what God wants so he can take care of it. Just like that old dog that, that got that hook in his mouth. Well, all we want to do is get that hook out. But we end up having to take that dog to the vet. Make so because that barb got stuck. You ever done that? Got a barb from that hook. Got caught in. You don't want to come out. So I had to go get cut out. But he didn't like it at all either. And you couldn't do nothing with that thing. So don't be like that when God is trying to do something in your life. Stop fighting what he wants to do. Get self out of the way. Get pride out of the way. Get this other brother out of your life. And be like the prodigal that comes back home each and every day. Look to him. Say, God, here I am today. What do you want? Who do you need me to speak to? What do you need me to do? Who do you need me to talk to? 
Who do you need me to pray for? And, and then we can come to God, come in here, and know that the presence of God is in here. We can worship together, come in, in unity and one, one spirit and one accord, just like Jesus wants us to, and fully know what it is to praise the holy God that we serve, right? Because our God rejoices over us. He rejoices over us. So stop trying to make this about us, about yourself, and make it about Him. What He's called us to. Amen? Amen. We all stand this morning. Let me read this last verse. As y'all were standing, verse 32. He said, It was right, the Father said, It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive and was lost and was found. Is found. He said, It is right. The right thing to do is not always the easy thing to do, is it? You think it was easy for that father to forget all the money that he had squandered away? All the stuff that he had done in his life to bring him back home and just say, hey, that's fine. Just come back in my house. Wasn't easy. Right ain't always easy, but right is right, isn't it? Right is right. So we can never go wrong with doing the right thing by the Word of God and what God's called us to do. So I'll say again this morning, as I say every, every week, if you're here today and Jesus is not Lord of your life, Today is the day of salvation. Today is. Stop running. Why keep going on in this prodigal way? Why keep trying to strive and, and try to fix everything ourselves when we know we can't? Why keep doing it? So as the music plays, I want you to pray. Ask God to, you know, just, to, just you just search your heart and, and find out, hey, do I need to go pray? Do I need, do I need Jesus be Lord of my life? And then... If you're here this morning, you've walked away. It's just a prayer. It's just a prayer that you come back. You come back in this right relationship with Him and do the things that God's called you to do today. Walk out of this place a different person than what you come in. So as music plays and as you need prayer for anything, healing, whatever, we'll, we'll pray and believe God.